Okay, so the three critical theories that I'll be using to discuss today will be critical race theory, feminist theory, and intersectionality. My entire topic today is the demonization of black people in the media. So first, I want to get into it with a article that's based on critical race theory. But before I even do that, I should definitely explain what that is. So critical race theory is a theoretical framework in the social sciences that examines society and culture as they relate to categorizations, as in race, law, and power. Basically saying that our society is broken up into these three categories, correct? Okay. So my first article is titled From Brute to Thug, The Demonization and Criminalization of Unarmed Black Male Victims in America. So um, there was a phrase in here that stood out to me. And it goes, um, the synonymy of blackness with criminality is not a new phenomenon in America. What does that say to you based on like looking back to critical race theory and how we're split up in these categorizations of life? You said the, repeat it again? The synonymy of blackness with criminality is not a new phenomena in America. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that. It's not it's not surprising to me. Um not only is it um synonymous to criminality is sub synonymous to poverty as well. And underprivileged. So I mean the the system I feel like the system is already designed for the the higher ups, the people with the power and the money and they create the law and who's gonna make a law that doesn't benefit them? So it is what it is. That's just how I see it. Mhm. Mm Shannon, did you have anything to add? I did. Oh, and not only that um, some people are gonna say, oh, we have black people now that are rich, da-da-da, but all, I feel like it, they don't validate what really is going on in our society today, because mm, their opinions on, like, race matters. Mm -hmm. are just black people on a whole it's very tainted because they're not they believe that because they didn't experience um certain black stories it doesn't exist or it's over exaggerated yeah so okay. it kind of discredit what black people are saying it's and almost it, like it's like watered down yeah, to make it more palatable not only that, it then gives white people an excuse to say like, hey, this black guy can do it, so why can't you when the situations are not the same? Mm -hmm. I feel that. And I feel like a lot of people try to make it seem like there's not these hard lines 
like drawn down the middle between these things when in reality there really is like if you even take a look at like smaller organizations like UConn right like so let's take the college I go to for example like race law and power is what governs UConn like I remember earlier this year you know everything with Breonna Taylor and George Floyd and you know I remember it was about what June, when UConn sent out their first email addressing the issue that was happening in our country and yet still refused to say, like, you know, like the issue with white privilege or the issue with, like, just socioeconomic factors facing black people and, you know, the, like, unarmed, unjust killings and stuff like that and, like, police brutality and the fact that they can't even say words like that when addressing like black students and black faculty and Mm. then proclaiming that they're trying to like teach on this situation like it's not doing anything like at that point it gives the vibes of like talk is cheap Mm. makes sense so then my second article is another academic journal based in the departments of cultural studies and critical methodologies so it's titled the ever-shifting excuse for demonizing black people in america so basically there's this line in here that says This article examines the entrenched racism in a country that started with the Declaration of Independence written by slave owners and how so many white people of all ages, religions, classes, and regions can claim not being prejudiced against African Americans while under the same breath justifying the police killing of unarmed African American men. They then go on to say it criticizes the colorblind movement and proposes ways to move fo- toward more powerful narratives of solidarity and redemption for the historical violence against black people in America. Yeah, I'm not going to lie. I'm lost about So basic, yeah, no problem. Basically saying, like, how are we going to say that we're moving forward and we're creating a new stance and we're trying to change things in America when yet still we're using something like racism is so like entrenched in our country that it starts as something simple as the Declaration of Independence, which was written by a whole bunch of slave owners and white people of all shape and size. And now we're still supposed to like follow these, even though when it was written, it had no prosperous effects for us like i said before the system wasn't really made for black people none of that was written with black people in mind or considering black people to be human what they say one third Mm -hmm. so that goes to show like i feel like racism is just remixed and repackaged for each generation you know, they change the packaging so it looks more colorful or it looks more subtle. But it has the same impact or even a greater impact and how unblack lives. Mm-hmm. And then 
so my last question following up with this article is this idea that like everything is spun in a way to almost like give if it's a case of police brutality to give the officer a reason or like an opening as to why he was behaving in this manner and always given the benefit of the doubt which a lot of black people are denied this you know like this idea that oh maybe they were just acting like this because this there's always this stigma behind black people and how like automatically the worst assumptions are made and automatically there's these stereotypes thrown out there and they're just forced into everyone's heads and it's like this is the most common situation. Yeah, because the media often depicts black people as overly aggressive. So when media outlets say, oh, a person was being unruly or he wasn't following instructions they gobble that up like it's gospel mm-hmm. without really doing any type of research and i feel like the benefit of the, the benefit of the doubt is very much a part of um white privilege because mm-hmm. that's not something that black people are afforded my next like going based off of what you said my next article is titled black racial stereotypes and victim blaming implications for media coverage and criminal proceedings in cases of police violence against racial and ethnic minorities so first i want to read the quote that was given in this article this was an article written by a student who attends Duke, actually. And something she said actually ended up becoming posted in the 2017 version of the Society for the Psychological Study of Social Issues. So this quote, she took it from the New York Times. This is a direct quote that was posted on August 24th, 2014. And It goes, Michael Brown, 18, due to be buried on Monday, was no angel. He lived in a community that had rough patches, and he dabbled in drugs and alcohol. He had taken to rapping in recent months, producing lyrics that were, by turns, contemplative and vulgar. That is a literal, direct quote from a New York Times article that was literally titled, Michael Brown spent last week's grappling with problem and promise. So that's basically what I'm saying. He was, it's good for him to be gone now. Yeah, like he deserved to die. He was 18. Not only that, I feel like the problem is not surface level when it comes to... What would you call that? The projects are just black neighborhoods because I feel like it's deeply rooted because first of all black people aren't afforded something that white people has which is general generational wealth so most times we have to start from the ground up there's no there's no foundation for our kids so 
And then two, the communities are basically due to gentrification. Indeed. So, I completely agree. I feel like all of this just goes back to us not having certain opportunities or giving up your chance. Mm-hmm. Like, I, um, it made me almost uncomfortable as I read the rest. Like, I am going to give a small trigger warning here. But, um, many other articles go on to say, um, when Bill Mayer, the HBO talk show host, was speaking on Michael Brown's death. He said, and I quote, I'm sorry, but Michael Brown's people say he is a gentle giant. He was acting like a thug, not like a gentle giant. And it's even weirder that he uses the word people. Like, I don't know. It creates this, in itself, it creates this line. Mm. If you see what I'm talking about, like, the word family could have just as easily been used or children or do you get what I'm saying? To almost like create the human side. But this, his people say, it almost reduces him back from human status. Like I said, you don't get the benefit of the doubt. So, you know what they say, um... Innocent until proven guilty, that doesn't apply to black people. It's the other way around. So. And um, my last example was um, Eric Garner. When he was described in the New York Post, he was described as a career petty criminal who has experienced dozens of arrests but had learned nothing from them. Arrested for what? Then proceeded to say he was a victim of himself. Just that simple. What was he arrested for? These are the vague accusations that the media outlets always make. Exactly. Because like, it could have been very simple things. Easily. If he was a white person, they would say, oh, he just Minor some... offenses. Easily. Sorry, though. No. <laughs> Interrupt, but yeah, they they like to gaslight certain stuff. They would say basically that like he had a rough patch in history with like you know certain Mental. states of mind Mental and illness and where he came from and. It just affected him a lot, and I just, I don't think that's fair. And it never really will be. So, that was a lot. It's going back. So, I'm going to move into my second topic. That's which, the second topic. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Which is feminist theory. So, I don't know if you guys are aware of what feminist theory is. Put me on. But practically, it's the theory that focuses on giving a voice to women. Okay. Basically, and highlighting how women have contributed to society. Mm-hmm. You know? And um, 
it's one of the major sociolo sociological theories that actually analyzes the status of women and men in society. But the purpose of this is really to aim to almost try to better women's lives and try to bring this them from this place of unfair ground and create this equal opportunity across the board. Mm. So playing into that, I'm pretty sure you guys already know where I'm going. No clue. With so tying into feminist theory, into the demonization of black people, into all of that. Breonna Taylor. That's the first place my mind automatically goes to. Okay. Because I just... I... I'm sorry, but I can never forgive America for that. Ever. One, not only was she failed by the justice system, not only was she failed by her own people, she was all around by everyone. I feel as if every single person let that young woman down. Every single person. It It's so strange because, like, in the midst of the whole Black Lives Matter movement, like, looking back on quarantine and whatever, it was, it was almost insane to me that not only were we, like, I understand that George Floyd sparked the flame, right? Mm. So that's what we're going to give credit to it. George Floyd sparked the flame. But then still at this same time, God bless you, um, black women were out there like on these front lines, still working so hard, still fighting for equality for everyone else, including themselves and pushing for justice for everyone. And then in the same time, I feel like Breonna Taylor's name was being buried. Just constantly. Um... I don't know. That's kind of tough to say. I don't know who I would put the blame on for that. Because that's that could be down to like social media, like the algorithms that they use. Because we saw when the protest was going on, it was going on for weeks. And you would not see any coverage on it on, in, on social media or in the news. After the first week. So they try to, you know, water it down to sh make it feel like it wasn't as big as it is. So I don't know if I would blame social media for that or just the black community. I don't know. I just, I don't know. I feel as if there was so many. I feel like just the fact in general that Say Her Name had to become its own trend shouldn't have been a thing because i feel like if it's if we're all fighting together here there's no reason why there should still be this different playing field even in death like that is so strange to me the indictment for the george floyd case was broadcasted on national television and 
had so many eyes. The entire case had so many eyes and everyone was so focused. And the Ahmad Avery case had so much focus on it. And then it was like, I, and don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that no one was paying attention because that would be irresponsible of me to say because that's not correct. But I will say that it did not receive its due diligence at all. I understand what you're saying, but I don't know. I just don't know who I would put the blame on for that because you could say it's society in a whole because, you know, it's a, what would you say, a patriarchal society. So obviously people are going to put more attention on the male and the female. So is it right? No, it's not, but that's a society we live in today. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know who I would put the blame on for that, so, I don't know. So then, piggybacking on Brianna and feminist theory, I just really want to take a minute to get down to, like, circling back in with, like, demonization and all these things. I want to take a minute to, like, really unpack the situation of like black women in the trans community like i will just say and i think this is almost unfair to say because i kind of want the floor on this one like i will openly and honestly say that i feel like trans black women are so demonized it's almost ridiculous and then they're put down to these low standards and they're ridiculed and put in this box and constantly you know there's always these words that are associated with them these stigmas like ghetto and just ratchet and all these just negative connotations that are constantly like put this umbrella over their head and then this entire culture that they've created is so when they're partaking in who they are and their own culture, they're just put down for it and always shown in this negative light. And then it's almost crazy because other people will take their entire culture, their entire creativity, who they are, and put it in a more palatable packaging if that makes sense like this more socially acceptable idea of who should be acting like this and who shouldn't be acting like this and then as soon as it's put into that prettier packaging or more quote-unquote society appropriate packaging it's considered great and it's amazing and it's it's this moment and it's this movement and it's this time to be alive when the creators of this entire culture and this entire lifestyle basically and who they are gets all the crap gets all the negatives just on a constant basis and they don't even get a bit of the recognition that they deserve ever i feel you on that it kind of reminds me of um and people say everybody wanna be a a nigga, but nobody wants to be a nigga when it's time to be a nigga. So 
I I kind of I fully understand what you where you're coming from and what you're saying with love. Yeah, like I I don't know. I have a lot of hurt there, and it's just it's it's ridiculous. Like my um, I actually have an article here that was written by Frank Wood, and the article was based on race and justice, and it appeared in the Sage Journal, and it's titled visibly unknown media depiction of murdered transgender women of color and this literally like forget the entire article the most important thing that stood out to me here was the fact that there were 23 transgender women of color murdered in 2016 and every single one of them were almost swept under the rug but when this happens in another community, it's this big outrage. It's almost like you you take creative energy, you take their class, their sassiness, their their everything, and then you gain so much from it while they're still like in this backlight and still being so mis misinterpreted and misrepresented and it's it's ridiculous it's absolutely ridiculous and i am getting hot right now so i am gonna move on to my third topic which is intersectionality so do you guys know what intersectionality is not at all nope no all right so Basically, intersectionality, there's a long definition for it, but the way I like to explain it is intersectionality is your line of life. You have a string, and it's all the different places that this string runs through. So basically, you know, all the aspects of your life, as in like gender, your sex, your race, your class, your sexuality, your religion... If you happen to have a disability, your physical appearance, your height, all these different things that these lines that connect you to other people, like all these places in your life where life interconnects. Basically makes you who you are. Yes. Like says describes. Yes. Mm. The the creative the creativity of who you are as a person. So I um as I was thinking about intersectionality, it made me like think back to my first two topics and like how like regardless, they all like run together. On a serious note, they do. And how I just feel like all the time in life, like these lines of intersectionality, regardless, they cross between black people, they cross between white people, they cross between Hispanics. Like obviously there'll be different you know lines for different people but there's still lines in there that connect somewhere somehow mm. you know even if it's one side of the string something connects you to someone else okay and it's so crazy because like i um i found this article and this one really popped out to me it's titled the violent state black women's invisible struggle against police violence and as soon as I saw it, I was like, whoa, that's the one. 
Like, that's absolutely the one because um, I started thinking and I was like, wow, like, black women are always seen in this light of, like, being manlike or aggressive or angry, which is the stigma that's, like, tattooed across our foreheads. Not only that, they're also seen a light where... 100% of the time, they have to be this strong, you know? Mm-hmm. So, a person that carries, their family carries a whole lot of weight, and I feel like black women are the only race of women who aren't allowed to be soft on days, you know? You have mm-hmm. to, it's a heavy load to carry, to be strong all the time. I know that gets tiring. Going off of what Jamani said about black women having to be strong all the time and you saying that they're portrayed as, not portrayed, but what did you say? Like seen in this light, like always have the stigma on them of aggressive or strong or always have to be like this carrier. But what I was going to say, but when it comes to other females of other nationalities and ethnicities, it's basically the complete opposite like it's praised like they (laughs) (laughs) that's a fact that's a fact that's a fact these are what would you call traits that they you know that they look up to or they they praise in other races but when it comes to black women it's ratchet or ghetto or out of line completely agree like, um, trigger warning, again. Uh, it's like a statement that like one in four, it's a fact that one in four black girls will be sexually abused before the age of 14, of 18. Sorry. And, oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> and like in the U.S. alone, 38% of black women experience sexual violence throughout their lifetime speaking on that and that's just only who comes out and speak yeah who's to say that the number wouldn't rise to at least 40 45 if every woman came out and speak but yeah what were you saying Shane? i was saying um the People who are the, what is the word? The people who do the things to these females. The abusers. The abusers are most likely someone close to them, like a friend of a parent or a family member. That's just pretty sad. Yeah, I agree. And it's like, you know, like, I don't know. There's this idea then that's also placed on black women. And then mind you, like all this weight that they're already carrying, it's like there's this idea that's placed on them from birth, from like as they grow, it's always like, oh, you know, like grow up and protect black men or, you know, like you like 
care about yourself, but not that much. You still need to be fighting for everyone else around you. You still need to be putting your all into everyone. And then when you're done and whatever you have left, then you can pour that into you, which is ridiculous, which is absolutely ridiculous to me. Like the entire idea of it in general is just insane. Absolutely insane. And yeah, that's about what I have. And you guys have anything else to wrap up with? Not at all. And um, before I close, I just wanted to um, bring up this, what would I call it? This story, I guess, that my mother had shared with me, who's actually a nurse. So she always, you know, used to say, like, there's certain things that people are put down for. And, you know, as I was growing up, I would never really understand it or get, like, what she was getting at. But now that I'm older, I guess it makes sense. And then even, like, in the class that I'm in now in wigs, like, even just hearing about critical race theory... Like, it immediately brought me back to what she used to say all the time. And she would be like, it's this idea that even in hospitals where people are supposed to be non-biased, like doctors and, you know, people who hold people's hands in their lives, she would always say, like, you know, regardless of what's going on, they're always going to have this negative thought of you. And I always used to be like, that's insane. Like, why would a doctor think badly of me or you know not try to give his all to help me and there's situations where you know like doctors kind of don't give their all to their patients just due to the fact simply that they're black or they ended up being a gunshot victim and when they get into the hospital before they even get the chance to have their file read there's other doctors saying well he was involved in gang violence or well this is what she does on a regular basis and that's why she ended up in this situation and it's again this idea of not being given the benefit of the doubt and it's just it's ridiculous that in itself is a crime it's a humanitarian crime. okay so my serious piece is the demonization of black people in the media and this common idea that we're not given fair like research as everyone else or we're not shined in the same light as everyone else when there's a crime that's committed or anything like that so the first piece I wanted to talk about is Eric Gardner and how he was choked to death in Staten Island right so on depending on which news site you saw it on so if it was CNN we were seeing pictures of him with his kids and as a family man and representative of who he was as a person but if you were to see it on Fox News you would see photos of him in front of liquor stores or anything from his past that somewhat dragged up this idea that he was no longer a good person just based on what was being shown so what are your thoughts on that and how it's represented in the media on an everyday basis well, my thoughts on that is um, in each media, apparently, based on my observation, they broadcast from different perspectives. Um, like BBC News 
tend to be more objective, I think, seeing mm -hmm. both sides, whereby like the American news, like Fox News and MSNBC are two extremes, and uh, CNN is little left of center, closer to the MSNBC side. Mm -hmm. So um, Fox, Fox's perspective is more from a conservative, and sadly, from my observation, appears to be from the um, the, the from the white nationalist side, mm -hmm. whereby MSNBC on the left they are ultra liberal. Mm -hmm. So, I think CNN comes a little between both of them. So I think CNN is more objective in the sense that they try to um, give you both lights. Okay. Um, and then my follow-up question is, so I'm not sure if you're aware of what critical race theory is, but basically it's the theoretical framework that um, life is categorized by race, <laughs> law, and power. Yes. Do you think this like plays into the demonization of black people and how people are seen on a regular daily basis? Well, if you're asking me that question from that theory, and I'm going to answer specifically from that perspective, 100%. You say they're power? Yes, race and race law. Race and law. Absolutely. Because um, if you were to look on any of the major laws in this country that have been decided where race was a factor, um, it's almost always the case where those three factors determine the outcome. Mm -hmm. Even if the, the defendant or the accused, even if it appears as though they are innocent from the very beginning, mm -hmm. oftentimes because they are powerless, because they have no money and cannot get the right representation, oftentimes the, um, the law is not just pertaining to them. On the flip side, when you look at other people who are connected, have power and money, mm -hmm. they can, sadly, they can almost buy their, um, their freedom. Mm -hmm. So I am 100% in agreement with that particular theory. Thank you.